The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org.
Good morning, everyone. And welcome here with us in worship again this morning. Welcome to all of you who are joining us via live stream, and especially those of you who are here for the first time. I hope you will find your way easily. There's an order of service that you should download so you're able to follow along throughout the worship service. And if you have any questions, type them into the chat. We have someone waiting to respond and support you. It's lovely to have you with us. As I do every week during these times, I want to thank everyone who is here today making service possible. To Mark Sumner, our music director, to our amazing musicians, some of whom you just heard, Andre Vera, Miwa Steger, our two soloists who are in our outdoor sound studio as required by the city of San Francisco and the state of California, David King and Asher Davidson. I want to thank our AV crew, Eric Shackelford, Julie Ong on camera, Jonathan Silk running just about everything else except Joe Chapeau, who is on our chat waiting for you if you have questions. Thomas Brown, who has helped in so many ways to get us functioning this morning and keep us safe. Dennis Adams, my worship associate and good friend. I want to thank also Amy Kelly, who put together the beautiful fall celebratory altar of flowers pumpkins here for us this morning. And Alex Dar, who is not in this building, but is waiting for you after service, if you can, to join us for our coffee hour, our time when we gather together and get to meet a few people that otherwise we'd have no chance to run into these days. Today's service, we are going to spend some time paying attention to who and a little bit of what we have lost this last year. Things that hang heavy, I think, with us. Find a way to honor that piece of our journey, our journey toward healing. And so, we begin with one such ritual that acknowledges loss, but also the journey to healing. We will light our candle as we have each week since we've gathered. For all of you, who are not here in person, but very much with us in spirit. Something this candle makes evident in this space as we gather for worship together. I'd invite us now, well, those of you who are allowed to at home, which is one of the blessings of being at home, to join us in singing our opening hymn of the morning. We give thanks. The words and music are in your order of service, so please join in as we begin our worship together. Welcome. Oh, we give thanks for this precious day, for all gathered here. And thus far away For this time we share With love and care Oh, we give thanks 
most precious day. Oh, we give thanks for this precious day. For all gathered here and those far away, for this time we share with love and care. Oh, we give thanks for this precious day. Oh, we give thanks for this precious day. For all gathered here and those far away, for this time we share with love and care. Oh, we give thanks for this precious day. Now we'll have our unison chalice lighting. We light this chalice for the light of truth, the warmth of love, and the fire of commitment. We light the symbol of our faith as we gather together. We have a, oh, hello, I'm Dennis Adams, welcome. If this is your first time watching, thanks for joining us. You can follow along in the order of service which is available in the description of this video and is emailed to everyone who receives our newsletter, which you can get by signing up through a link that is in the order of service and video description. The order of service also lists upcoming events and links to opportunities to connect, including our Zoom coffee hour, which takes place after the service. Please join in anything that interests you. I want to call your attention especially to the fact that we have a free yoga class on Wednesday nights and uh, also on Wednesday mornings, we're continuing our vigil on the steps of the church from 8 to 9 a.m. And everyone is welcome for that. I believe that is all I wanted to call your, to your attention. So let's center ourselves now in our worship by singing our meditation on breathing. The words are in your order of service. You can listen to our song leader if this is the first time singing it. And then join in as we sing it through a few times together. When I breathe in, I'll breathe in peace. When I breathe out, I'll breathe out love. When I breathe in, I'll breathe in peace. When I breathe out, Now it's time for our covenant and doxology. Love is the spirit of this church and service is its prayer. This is our great covenant to dwell together in peace, 
to seek the truth in freedom and to help one another. Recognizing that there is suffering all over this world, in the course of natural and human catastrophes, we ring our gong this morning in honor of two such places of suffering and struggle. We ring our gong first, as we have since July of 2019, in honor of the seven children who lost their lives in detention camps in the United States. We acknowledge, too, this week especially, the news that 545 children remain separated from their parents as they were originally at the border when they were taken into custody, parents who the U.S. is unable to find to reunite them as a family. And this day too, we will name among the lost in our camps, the 21 adults who died in custody in the year, the fiscal year marked by our government that ended September 30th, 2020. 2020. One third of those who died testing positive for COVID We will ring our gong additionally this morning once for the losses to our global pandemic. To date, over 1.15 million people globally who have died as a result of contracting the virus. 33,418 of those in the United States alone. Numbers are hard to hold emotionally but since that is our work of this morning in particular, I invite you to imagine only one empty chair at a table, one jacket hung on the back of a front door that will be not picked up by the hands that would also wrap you around your waist in a hug or pat you on the back as it passed by. Imagine that and the scope of loss takes shape. So much to remember and to hold these days. And so may we keep those that we have named and their loved ones in our thoughts and in our prayers. And may we 
ease the tide of human suffering this coming week, howsoever we can. I'm sure you know that grief and joy, too, isn't just a thought, that it's embodied, a feeling that's housed in the body, that's stored there. A friend I knew long ago was studying massage therapy and was taught to be ready for people to start laughing or more often crying in the middle of a meeting with him, that he needed to be ready to step away and give them space, that touch of the body and the feelings it released. It was one way we discovered, got reconnected to feelings that sometimes we held only here in flesh and bone. In that spirit, I want to invite us into our meditation this morning. I invite each of you to begin to bring yourself more fully into your body. Begin with breath as we so often do. Breathe deep. Hold your breath and release as much as you can. Breathe again. Feel the rhythm of breath and heartbeat that attends you so often unaware. Feel yourself held down by the gravity which anchors you to this earth and your small corner of it. Listen for the ambient sounds 
just outside your window or door. And if it helps you soften your gaze, cast your eyes down. Whatever you need to go deep inside and connected. Walk with me through this body. Start at the top and roll your attention down to what you hold in your jaw, what resides maybe in a slight tension in your shoulders. Breathe again out any tightness in your chest. Travel deep into your gut. Is there any heaviness there? Know that and relax into it. Travel down your arms, slide through your thighs, all that your arms and legs carry, not just your weight and the work of the day. Feel your calves, ankles, those beautiful feet that keep you stable. There is a time for struggle, for thoughts. If you can, lay it aside and attend to how you feel. What does your body know about what you need it's help to hold. Thank it for the safe keeping and hold all of what was there in your hands for a moment. Bless it for what it calls your attention to. And then if you can, bless it and blow it into the world like feathers. Know it in a new way. You'll still find it out there waiting for you. But wonder if there's a new way to dance with all that is so hard to hold in body and spirit. Breathe and hold your hand out to life. An invitation to creatively dance with what is difficult 
live and alive. Blessing and wisdom of our bodies be ours. Amen. Next week, on Saturday night, begins the pagan festival of Samhain, an ancient Celtic festival that carries through until the following day. A festival that traditionally came, comes at the end of the harvest season, rich with rituals and stories, and some of the traditions revolving around it is the sense that during this time, the veil between the living and the dead is thinner. That there's this chance, this opening for ancestors to cross over for a while. Later Christian festivals of All Saints Day set eventually for November 1st, not accidentally, you might imagine and All Souls Day, or Day of the Dead, on November 2nd, they would try to transform this pagan festival into one that honored 
church leaders and prayed for family members who had died. But in many places, including Mexico and the Philippines, this idea that lost ones, lost loved ones were close, closer at this time of year, close enough to join you in a picnic, in the merriment and food of a reunion at the grave, this, this sense of the world and its possibilities persisted. Every human community finds its way to name the loss of loved ones, finds time to pull them close across the divide, times to name and honor them and what we have lost who are left behind, rituals that paradoxically, I think, make the space for us to listen and attend to what of these beloved family and friends remains with us. This year has been an especially hard year to lose loved ones. Rituals of mourning have been made awkward or impossible, at least to do the way we know how to do them. And that's meant, I think, that losses have felt heavier. And so all the more reason to find and make room in the life of our community this morning to hold some of the losses of this year and to do some of the honoring together. So we will name some of whom we have lost this year, a little bit about them. At the end, we'll read their name. Please join Dennis and I in saying, as is often said after such a naming during a day of the dead service, presente. In that way, we acknowledge that those we have called into this space are indeed present again among us. Gail Reynolds lost her mother this year. Joanne Reynolds was a kind, caring woman and a gifted artist and shaped a daughter we adore around here. Joanne Reynolds, presente. This congregation lost a beloved member this year and Angie Wise lost her husband. Bill Wise was always kind and gracious. He and Angie met here at a folks dance. He was already Unitarian Universalist and she would be converted to the faith through folk dance and romance. They were married over 40 years and have a son and a granddaughter. We all have lost a good and beloved man and member. Bill Wise, presente. New member, Sarah Ellerman lost her father this year. Keith Ellerman was a difficult person who almost always had something mean to say. 
He left a lot of hurt behind with a daughter who adored him always because our children love us. They want to adore us. Sarah honors the relationship with him in remembrance this day in the hopes that this act will bring greater peace and comfort and resolution for her. May she find such peace. Keith Ellerman, Presente. Paul Kensinger lost his sister-in-law this year. Fran Kensinger was a loving mother of five who raised her children with joy, love, and great pride. She was a teacher interested in everything and made you feel like she cared about everything you were doing. Because of the virus, Paul wasn't able to attend her final days, though he spoke some words to her across the phone. Instead of a picture of Fran, we have a drawing Paul drew as part of a series while listening to worship. Fran Kensinger, Presente. Megan Lemer lost her husband on October 21st of 2019. Les Gotsman was a professor, a writer, a poet, a husband and father who spent much of his life fighting for human rights, opposing racism and colonialism from the student riots at Columbia University during Vietnam to supporting Eritrea's to gain Eritreans to gain independence from Ethiopia, to his work with the John Brown Anti-Klan Committee. Les Gotsman, Presente. Michelle Garside's husband left this planet for the great beyond, as it is said in his obituary, on December 20th, 2019. Bob Garside was father of two daughters, grandfather to four, an educator and professor. Dr. Bob, as his students called him, was also a passionate supporter of the arts, an equally passionate sports fan, and at the end of his life, a published author. His novel, The String Lady and Pete, is a romance from the man's perspective, published the summer of 2019. Some of his happiest last times were at the launch parties for the book, organized by Michelle and attended by friends and loved ones. Email me and I'll let you know how you can purchase a copy. Bob Garside, Presente. Presente. Oh, correction, that was my mistake. It's Bob McCarthy, but I love once in a while giving women credit for their husbands. <laughs> Bob McCarthy, presente. Thomas Brown, longtime member of the staff of this church, lost his mother this summer. Sometimes all you need to know about a person is how much love they leave behind to know what kind of life they led. Thomas drove across the country to be with his mother in New Orleans, waiting outside the window for part of that time and the dividers in the nursing home just to wave, just so she would know he was there. Gloria S. Brown, Presente. Presente. Hannah Keep 
Clements died on January 17th. She left behind her daughters, including her namesake, Hannah Clements Hart, and grandchildren. Hannah Clements taught her children to be a mother who likes, trusts, and loves her children. She is an example of life driven by a commitment to do the right thing, a life characterized by generosity, compassion, a thirst for justice, grit, humor, doing the work that needs doing, and love, always love. Hannah Keep Clements, Presente. This year, Kelly Murray and Lawrence Pilgrim lost three of their parents. In March, Lawrence's mother, Lucia Pilgrim, passed peacefully. Lucia created beauty in her paintings, her family history, and her living. She died surrounded by her husband, William Leopold Pilgrim, and her four children, Deirdre, Lawrence, Anthony, and Christopher. Lucia and William had been married for 68 years. Then 70 days later, Lawrence's father, William, died. At the age of 99, William came to this country from Austria he built a family and a career in architecture almost unimaginable after having lost everything he had in the Holocaust, including his parents and baby sister. The pilgrims were pillars of the Atlanta UU Church. Then, a week after losing Lawrence's father, the family lost Kelly Murray's father, Bob Murray. Bob, a veteran of the Navy, a holy good man, fun to be around, devoted to family. He leaves behind his wife, Elisa. Lucia Pulgram Presente. William Pulgram Presente. Bob Murray Presente. We have other people to name, lost this year, but not forgotten. One friend of the congregation asked us to remember her dear friend, Rachel Warmack, who died just two weeks ago. But also there were shared losses. We lost this year Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, whose intelligence and judgment helped set powerfully important procedures, precedents, legal and of what character and service look like. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Presente. John Lewis, senator and activist, humanitarian, who also showed us what character and service and true citizenship asked of us. John Lewis, Presente. Closer to home was the loss of Jeff Adachi, San Francisco public defender extraordinaire, who made clear to ordinary people that there was someone in power listening and ready to take on their cause. This year, like any year in our nation's history, we lost black lives to violence, ignorance, and hate. This year, though something about these losses called many in the nation to take note, 
to continue to say their names and take to the streets to demand change among those lost? Ahmad Arbery. Ahmad Arbery was gunned down while jogging in his neighborhood in Glynn County, Georgia on February 23, 2020. Ahmad Arbery, presente. Brianna Taylor shot in her apartment by plainclothes police officers who stormed her home looking for drugs they did not find. Ms. Taylor died in her Louisville home shortly after midnight on the 13th of March, 2020. Brianna Taylor, presente. George Floyd, who died in Minneapolis, Minnesota on May 25th, 2020, during an arrest for passing a counterfeit $20 bill. His death sentence was one none of us will forget. Eight minutes and 46 seconds of some of the most complicit evil ever caught on video, harrowing, something that set off a greater wave of mourning and grief and outrage. George Floyd, son, father, child of God, presente. I know there is more loss among us this year to natural disasters, the fires, the floods, the uprisings, civil unrest around the world, starvation, illness. We've all lost beloved friends, mentors, colleagues. Some have lost beloved four-legged or winged companions. I want to invite us to call them to mind what loss we hold heavy. And if these losses have a name, if they are a person, beloved companions say their names. Recall the wholeness of who they were, who they were to you, to mind. Place an imaginary photo of them at the altar. To all of them. To all these we have pictured here and paid some small homage to and all those you are naming. We say you that we have loved and lost. You too, all of you are here with us today. Presente. Robert Raines in his work Going Home writes, as we separate and the ties unbind and the threads of our lives disentangle and we make ready for a new weaving let us believe in our own hearts that nothing we have shared together that is good will be lost, that all we were takes its honored place in our life's journey, that nothing is canceled, but some things are settled and concluded, that much we cannot say or communicate 
nonetheless abides and endures, that nothing can separate us from your love.
Film is the art of creating illusion through reality, while mime is the art of creating reality through illusions, Marceau Marceau. In the 1970s, in my earliest clown studies, I found out about the Archimimus, a funeral mime. That is to say, in ancient Greece, an occupation was to attend funerals as the deceased, thus being a warm shoulder to cry on, so to speak. The face was whited out to aid the illusion of neutrality and, of course, no speaking, but someone warm and breathing to hug goodbye. Her name was Rebecca, and she was all smiles as she approached my clown character, Poindexter, to see if she could hire me for a birthday party. It would be in a restaurant in Eugene, Oregon, and kind of late, but there was no problem my getting there. What seemed strange was there were no children present. Soon I found out it was actually her 30th birthday, and she was a Sunday school teacher who loved kids and clowns. So I went to work, making everyone balloon animal hats, juggling, doing magic tricks, squirting fake ketchup, and it was really a ball. I was introduced to her fiancé and thought, what a great group of people. I made balloon requests to go. About a year later, there was a terrible windstorm in Eugene, which felled many trees. I read that, sadly, a young woman had been killed by one, and strange fact, she had slept on her couch that night instead of the bed. A little later, I got a call from her fiancé and found out the woman who had died had been Rebecca. The reason he was calling was to hire my clown for her memorial service at her parents' house. I was a little hesitant, but he explained there would be many kids there and this is exactly what Rebecca would have wanted. I told him about the Archimimus and said I'd be there. So I went. It was a sad, happy affair. Wavy Gravy used to tell me, if you have to be sad, let it be good grief. I painted faces, kids and adults, and made everyone balloon hats. A pretty good time was had by all. It was good but sad how all these people's lives have been changed by one tragic incident. The loss was palpable. There was a piano, and as the evening faded, someone took to it and played one of her very favorite songs, The Dangling Conversation by Simon and Garfunkel. It is a sweet, sad song, and I'm afraid there were as many tears as there were balloons. Clowns don't tend to cry as it ruins the makeup. But that night, my clown face turned to tie-dye, and nobody seemed to mind at all.
I take a sip of water periodically, mostly so you all can see that I still do have a face. <laughs> Joan Didion begins her book, The Year of Magical Thinking, with this passage. Life changes fast. Life changes in the instant. You sit down to dinner and life, as you know it, ends. The question of self-pity. Those were the first words I wrote after it happened. The computer dating on the Microsoft Word file, notesonchange.com, Reads May 20th, 2004, 11, 11 p.m., but, but that would have been the case of my opening a file and reflexively pressing save when I closed it. I'd made no changes to that file in May. I made no changes to that file since I wrote the words in January of 2004. A day or two or three after the fact. For a long time, I wrote nothing else. Life changes in the instant, the ordinary instant. And so begins Didion's journey back and then forward through the grief of losing her husband, who one moment was fine and the next was slumped over in the chair, scotch in hand, dinner on the stove, fire crackling in the fireplace. A gorgeous, ordinary night when the rug was yanked from under her and an earthquake struck one apartment in New York City and a fissure broke open in a life. We all know those moments firsthand usually Eventually, we know those moments, but secondhand, early on in our living, we hear of them, know of them, of their existence. And living in the moment we do right now, there is a sense of that precariousness to life that's so much more palpable, constant. That sense of precariousness that we so often run from, because who would want to live constantly aware of it? How do you live prepared for ordinary earthquakes and life broken open a little or a lot in an instant? For so many reasons, it felt, it feels like a good time for us to talk about grief, to name it, to invite it in, to sit with us, 
Normally I would expect to do that next week, which would be a more natural fitting in liturgical calendar, but, but next week we have this other potential earthquake to prepare for. And I think we're gonna to need to invite in other energies and healing and preparation for us to sit with so we can weather that event. So, so this week. All cultures, all human cultures, I think, find a way to create rituals for recognizing, for recognizing and memorializing grief, loss, the dead, some of the earliest remains I once read have been found in graves with objects beside them, and at least in one case, with the remains of a dog buried with them. Proof, I always remember, that human beings' best friend has played that role for a long, long time. We need ways to say goodbye. We need ways to bless someone who has been so important in our lives to usher that person into whatever awaits us as we leave this planet, as Bob McCarthy's obituary beautifully put it, for the great beyond. And let's be honest, we need it for ourselves as we make sense emotionally of what I still think is the most incomprehensible, normal reality of life that there is, the death of another, the ordinary minute, the fire, dinner on the stove, scotch in hand, a person we love there, one moment, and gone the next. We need rituals of ending not because we need closure, Dr. Pauline Boss, a retired professor who studied loss her entire career, doesn't like that word. She says it's a really good word, well, for the way you end a real estate transaction or a business deal, but, but not so useful for grief. It's a false promise, she thinks. We never really close a relationship with another person. We never close our grief about losing them, not entirely. But we can find places to honor the loss, to honor the life, to put it literally or figuratively on some altar and, and begin to begin a new life in a new relationship to this person we've lost. Find out what that means for us and for that, for that we have ritual. This year, as you all know, has been a hard year for loss, particularly around ritual. Memorial services for some of the people we've lost in this very community have been delayed until family can come to be here in person or we can be together for that moment. Other losses have found creative and meaningful ways to commemorate the one they loved, including, in fact, this last week. It was the one-year anniversary, you might have noticed, when we were reading the dates of Megan Lemer's husband, Les, of his death. And it was celebrated by many of the poets that he'd championed and published, gathering to read and share their work in honor of him on Zoom. 
a colleague of mine who lost her toddler during this pandemic time scheduled a time when she and her wife and the child's brother could sit on their front lawn and cars were invited to drive by and offer their love and look eye to eye and speak words of support out the open windows. Love and support that this family desperately needed and love and support that those people driving by desperately needed to be able to give. We human beings, we are incredibly creative makers of ritual. So desperate are we for them in order to be able to heal. So I wanted to name that for us to remember that about ourselves. <clears throat> because we are, as I repeat often so that we stay conscious of it, no matter how long this persists, we are swimming in loss these days. Personal losses like those that we named today, collective losses like the daily recitation of the national and global deaths from COVID and natural disaster, housing losses due to fires in this area or eviction, job loss, and then in addition to all those losses we can lay our hands on, Dr. Pauline Boss would tell us to pay attention to what she called in a term she coined while in graduate school, <clears throat> ambiguous loss. Ambiguous loss, as I understand it, attempts to name all those things that are felt as losses. But where the change or what we've lost is harder to wrap our hands around, point to, or where there's no end point to it. So for instance, people who have lost a loved one at sea and don't actually have the body in hand, so they don't know if the person has actually died or somehow magically survived, they are in the midst of ambiguous loss. Or if you have a loved one who has Alzheimer's who's bodily present, but who's not present to you the way you knew to be in relationship with them, or if you have been a child of divorce and watched a parent move out of the house, you know the many faces of ambiguous loss, the ones that are somehow harder to grieve sometimes. Well, for those of us these days, I think we're living in ambiguous loss. By my lights, ambiguous loss would include our diminished sense of stability and security, our separation from loved ones physically, even though they are alive and well, I hope. Our loss of cherished routines would be an ambiguous loss. Our loss of the ability to plan. All the ways that the pandemic has upended our self-care and our coping routines would be a kind of ambiguous loss. All the ways in which the changes have made us doubt or challenged our sense of ourselves <clears throat> and who we knew ourselves to be, that might be ambiguous loss. 
And with no end date yet published and no sense of the world that we will reclaim when this is all over, it's hard to know what it is we're supposed to be grieving entirely. My, how we swim in grief these days, my beloveds. All of its kinds. So I wonder if maybe we could make a little time, take a moment to lay some of this other grief at the altar this morning. I wonder if you could take a moment to think, and maybe it doesn't even take a moment to think of what has been especially hard for you this year, what feels most grievous. Maybe you found it in your body during that meditation in some clenching, in a block in your throat, in the sore shoulders you couldn't make sense of before. Did you find it? Could you name it? What loss that was hard that you keep just under wraps to cope? I invite you to sit for a moment. Breathe again into the fullness of your being, body, spirit, mind, heart. I want you to find what is hardest for you, most painful these days. Put a word to that loss if you can. Get a sense of what it is you mourn most and yearn to have back. Can you lay it on the altar? And then can you think for a moment of what piece of what is lost you still have If you've lost connection, can you can you think of new ways you've found to connect with people and places and things you loved? If you've lost a sense of control over your life, can you reclaim what it is you still have control over? Your choices how it is you choose to be and act in these times. Because my friends, I think the truth is, our griefs, they give us a pathway back to what it is we loved. In some ways they're a gift if we can hold them in the right way. They show us what it is we want to reclaim and hold close and make a piece of us. 
what we're too sad, what's too hard to completely let go of and then invite us to step into the world, holding tight to that, able maybe over time to let the rest go. So I hope we are able to pay attention to ourselves, my loved ones, to what we grieve, to the loss. Know that it is hard. Know that we swim in it. That's what we hold in our bodies. That's what weighs us down some mornings and makes getting out of bed a sheer heroic act of hope and resilience. So blessings to you in all of it. May we pay attention and name our griefs and lay them on the altars, make altars in the world to them. With both what we love and acknowledge we have lost, but how we take ourselves and what we reclaim from that loss into the way we live into the world. Renewed. Renewed to make sure that what is most important is never, never lost for long. Blessings in our journeys, in the altars we make, in the grief we hold, and in the ways we find ourselves into some healing and new life beyond it all. Amen. As fitting this week, a week early, we are going to close our worship this morning singing Hymn number 103, For All the Saints. Join in. The words and music are in your order of service.
And now, in our comings and our goings, may the light of love shine upon us. Out from within us, be gracious unto us and grant us peace. For this is the day we are given. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org.